0: Welcome to Conversations from the Pale Blue Dot. Today I interview Ashley Paramore and Jonathan Wire.
1: The Founding Fathers, they certainly had no measure of agreement on the religious issue, but they agreed on some pretty common things. And I think if we can recover some of that, I think we're going to be in much better shape in our country instead of the screaming talking heads.
0: Remember to visit commonsenseatheism.com for more episodes and articles about God, science, and morality. Today is a special episode of Conversations from the Pale Blue Dot. I have two guests, and instead of talking about some nitty-gritty details of philosophy or science, we're going to talk about how atheists and religious believers can work together to make the world a better place. Jonathan Weyer and Ashley Paramore, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Luke. Jonathan, I'll start with you. Who are you, and what has your faith journey been so far?
1: Well, my name is Jonathan Weir. I'm a campus minister with the CCO at Ohio State, and I'm also ordained minister in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I grew up in the church. Parents were Christians, went to Christian school, Christian college, seminary, that kind of stuff. And so it's sort of an unusual story in that no one would expect me to uh, work with atheists since I've been in the church all of my life. I did go through a time of doubting my faith, and and there's still struggles I have with my faith, but it has nothing to do whether I doubt God's existence or not. It has to do with what expression of Christianity I should align myself with, I guess would be a a good way to put it. So it's been an interesting journey along those lines. I've been Catholic, uh, non-denominational charismatic, and now Presbyterian, and still kind of working through all what that means.
0: Now, as I understand it, you're the only religious believer who is also a member of some atheist group, is that right?
1: The Secular Student Alliance is a uh, campus group for atheist students around the country and actually they have groups in Canada and Africa and England, I think. I spoke at their conference last year and they asked me to be on their Speakers Bureau, which means if a student group wants me to come speak, I waive a speaker fee and they pay my travel expenses and I come out and speak to them. Interesting.
0: And Ashley, how about you? Who are you and what has your own faith journey been so far?
2: Well, I am on the board of directors of the Secular Student Alliance like John was talking about a little bit. It's a nonprofit that helps to fund campus groups around the nation. And uh, I was baptized Methodist, I went to Catholic school. I uh <laughs> I was very interested in religion and belief. So I actually pushed myself to go to church. Three times a week. My mom was a deist and my father, although I didn't know it at the time, was an agnostic. So I went to church through Catholic school on Thursdays. I went to this uh, program called Awanas on Saturdays, which kind of reminds me of like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, but for little Christian kids where you memorize these Bible Boy Scouts
1: and Girl Scouts for Jesus is what it is basically.
2: Yeah. And then Sundays I would flip flop different churches with friends. I always feel like an idiot when I tell this story because I met a a friend of mine who I didn't find out till later was Kabbalist. And I'm like, really? What? What the heck's Kabbalah? And he's like, oh, it's, you know, Jewish mysticism. And I'm like, what? The Jews are still around. Um, I I know that's absolutely terrible, but I grew up in a town that has like only 5,000 people and where it, it was just kind of a bread and butter Christian town and nobody talked about anything. But Jesus, parents didn't talk to me about it. I was really naive up until that point. So I kind of figured, huh, well, if there are other things out there, how can I know mine's right? And so I started studying world religions, practiced a whole slew of stuff, and long story short, went from that to deism, to pantheism, to agnosticism, and eventually to atheism.
0: So it was like, why are there still Jews if the Messiah came 2,000 years ago? That
2: That was pretty much my mentality, because all that time it was like, well, Jesus came back, there shouldn't be any Jews anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to ask both of you about the fact that You know, one major feature of the last decade has been the somewhat heated dialogue between religious believers and secularists, probably due to several factors, 9-11, the religiosity of George W. Bush, fears about Muslim immigration in Europe, the new atheists, and so on. Jonathan, what's your take on this dialogue and how it has taken place so far in the public sphere?
1: I think you hit on
0: all the factors as to why it's so heated and
1: has gotten kind of nasty. You know, I think back to history, and there's so many times where Christians and atheists have dialogued in beautiful fashion. And thinking about that history has made me try to connect with Ashley and the Secular Student Alliance uh, when we back when we started about two years ago. In our culture, we're so influenced by all those things you mentioned. Uh, we're We're influenced by the Scopes trial in the 1920s. We're still fighting the effects of that. And I think all that kind of just creates this storm of anger and uncertainty and all those things that, whereas now or where Ashley and I will say, hey, we're doing this stuff with each other, and and people will go, are you crazy? People, atheists and Christians, don't do that kind of stuff together. Um, mm-hmm. And and I always go, well, historically, yeah, we have. We just haven't done it in the last few years.
0: Hmm. And Ashley, how do you see the public sphere debate between religion and secularism and how that's gone in the last 10 years
2: when you look back at the history of things and what all's been going on and prior to the internets if you will anybody especially people like me who are from these really small small towns know absolutely nothing your only source of information is either a books which (laughs) who reads books right or media and television. And when you have people like Bill O'Reilly sitting there doing nothing but dogging on atheists, it's just further creating this tension. I think the uh, internet, for lack of better words, is a blessing for all of us because for the first time, you're looking at going from these groups that were small and prosecuted, like the atheist groups, or not even just atheists, but when you look at you know the Muslim mi- minority here and everything, who had to deal with with getting underrepresented because of the media. And then all of a sudden the internet comes along and everybody can connect. Everybody can talk. You look at places like YouTube where you see all these different dialogues or debates happening. And it just makes it much, much easier to connect and show people for who they actually are and not this stereotypical, you know, like I eat babies and John's going (laughs) to throw stones at me type thing. Um, I, I do think that, it's getting better. I think that fundamentalism from both sides, from both the atheist side and the Christian side, is lessening. Obviously, it's still going to be there. It's always going to be there. But I think because of things like the internet, it's getting a lot better.
0: Well, both of you seem to have taken active steps toward working alongside people of other worldviews in helping to make the world a better place. So how does that work? What kinds of things Have you done together? It
1: kind of started off with basically just an email. Uh, (laughs) I know know that's like, you know, earth shattering, but uh, we both met for the first time two years ago when I sent Ashley an email and just said, hey, let's do stuff together. And the thing is, we didn't know what to do together because the typical Christian atheist thing is, hey, well, let's get in a debate with each other.
2: And I had been looking beforehand on actually working with different Christian groups around campus already. There's a student group in Champaign, Urbana, who the year before John and I met went down to New Orleans to help rebuild, um, for the first time. And they had gone with, um, the campus crusade for Christ there. And I wanted to get in touch initially before I met John with campus crusade for Christ, but all they ever wanted to do, they, they didn't really care about the service trip thing. They just wanted to get together and debate and argue. And that's basically all that would ever become of it. And anything that they did, they would basically have full control over and we wouldn't really be able to, you know, control anything. So.
1: So the the thing we came up with at first was I was connected to a church here on campus that we're taking a group down to New Orleans. And we decided to, you know, Ashley wanted to try to hook up with the group. And so I connected them and we all went down and there was probably about six or seven atheists, I think, Seven. on that trip, compared to about 40, 50 Christians. And then this year, we took a trip, again, to New Orleans with, we both planned it together. Um There's probably 13 atheists, 11 Christians, and uh we stayed in a Christian community center down there. Actually, most of the stuff we did was demo work, I think. And so we actually have this thing we're looking at right now, a calendar that has all of our signatures from the trip on it. We had demoed a house that hadn't actually been touched since Katrina, and this is five years later.
2: Yeah, it uh, still had food in the fridge. We found a mummified uh, cat. All the woman's personal belongings were still there. It was insane.
1: Yeah, and when we found out that she had actually died in the floods, and the calendar we found was frozen on August 2000, like literally almost petrified on August 2005, and so we all signed the calendar, and we have it in a frame on this on the wall here in the office, uh, and so it kind of for us it kind of symbolizes all of our stuff together and you know we then we do the typical stuff we go to each other's groups i've done a, a few atheist bible studies at the students for free thought and ashley's come to our group and and shared her journey and taking questions. And so, and we also do ask a theist night, ask an atheist night. So
2: we we do a lot of um, group meetings together and back and forth with every meeting that we have, because he has meetings on Tuesdays. Our student group has meetings on Thursdays and we're constantly, you know, you always find people from the other group at each meeting.
1: Oh yeah. Like I'd say half of my quote Christian group right now is probably atheist. (laughs) So the (laughs) students for free thought. So we, we pretty much invade each other's groups now with with impunity.
2: Yeah, we've got our own little godless Christian army going. Yeah, so. pretty
1: much. I mean, it's it really is. It's become like this own commun- unique, weird, cool community where we all hang out together. We do stuff together, although the students probably do it more than I do, obviously. But so it's just kind of this interesting community that's formed in the last two years that I think is, I think Christians and atheist groups have done stuff together before. I don't think that's unique, but I think the community that's developed here has been pretty unique.
0: Hmm, So it sounds like you've got Christians going to atheist Bible studies, I guess, and then you've got atheists going to the Christian Bible studies, and it sounds like you somewhat intentionally set that up. How do you keep it from devolving into a big debate, which would be very easy to do?
2: Well, I, I I think a lot of it in general for everything that we do, especially the New Orleans trip in particular, is just finding that common ground and going from there. Because, you know, obviously, John believes in God. I don't. But there are other things that we have in common. We, we want to go help people. We want to learn from each other. Like, in particular, you mentioned the Atheist Bible Studies or the Christian Bible Studies. We've done the Atheist Bible Studies to help people in our group understand how much of the Christian community here at Ohio State happens to interpret the Bible. Whether or not, you know, you and I agree with that or I necessarily agree with John's interpretation, it's a better understanding to why they interpret things the way that they do or how they explain certain things. And so uh, that, and I guess just the general asking an atheist panels, asking a Christian panels. Um, I know our student group occasionally teams up with some other groups and does ask a Jew or ask a Muslim.
1: For us, there's two things at work. I think it's in philosophy, there's this thing called the principle of charity. And the idea is to Uh, Make your opponent's argument as strong as possible before you you start to debate it. And too often in Christian atheist dialogue, we we don't do that. We don't do it at all. And I think the second one is to dialogue and not debate. And dialogue has to, you have to actually engage the person and engage their arguments rather than putting a uh, straw man over them, or straw woman, you know. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: But saying, oh, I, I know what this person believes. I know what this, it, she's she's an atheist. So I'm going to automatically put this on her. And that's just not helpful for anybody and vice versa. Oh, this is a Christian. He must be a funny whack job. We try to keep those two principles in mind.
2: And it's not just that, but as far as actually being able to work together, like I mentioned earlier, when I tried to do stuff with Campus Crusade for Christ, they always wanted full control of everything. John and his group, For as much as what we've done, I mean, his group is the first group that I've ever worked with who's willing to share power, willing to share financial responsibility, and actually be willing to trust us. So we trust one another. I don't don't know if you find that weird, but...
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's huge, actually. The trust factor is huge, I
0: think. Well, I would imagine that another value that comes from these interactions is, you know, even though America is a fairly pluralistic society, there's been lots of studies done that show that we, in general, have no idea what people of other worldviews believe or think or what they value. And so I would imagine you come to understand each other a lot better through these interactions.
2: Most definitely. And that's been one of the beautiful things about like the New Orleans trip is just spending that time getting to know each other, getting to understand, you know what people believe and why they believe them, whether or not we agree. I think is really fundamental
1: a great story about the new orleans trip we were at lafitte's pirate tavern down in on bourbon street and uh they have this nice little outside courtyard so we're all sitting outside and you know just talking and and this lady kept coming up behind me and i we were like what what is this lady doing she's listening to our conversation it's kind of strange and what i was doing was having everyone in the group share why they were a christian or why they were an atheist mm. and this lady kept coming up and she goes i'm going to teach you all something and we're all like okay she goes. I'm a voodoo priestess, and I usually do my ghost hunts. Start my ghost hunts from here, and so I'd like to do a, a little voodoo ritual for you. Um, would you all like to see it? And all of us were like, sure, why not? You know, and and uh, so she she does a ritual with her ghost group and stuff, and she seemed kind of nervous, especially for someone who obviously probably does this uh, all the time. And so we couldn't figure out what made her, who made her more nervous, the Christians or the atheists. <laughs> but I, I think she found it unusual that, uh, at first she thought it was a Christian group, because I guess she heard one of my Christian students talking.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: uh, so when she found out they were both Christians and atheists, I think it blew her mind a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine that there's also some value that comes from these interactions because of perhaps a kind of camaraderie that develops when you're doing things like clearing out a Katrina home yeah
2: oh yeah I'll tell you what like <laughs> the the camaraderie was de- definitely there and with all the jokes that we were cracking tearing into drywall uh we were joking around and we were destroying sin with a pickaxe and uh, <laughs> I don't know it, it was really fun just to be able to get together tear out some drywall smash a piano take this whole entire house that was absolutely filled with stuff mattresses still soaked with water and you know like we said earlier the place hadn't been touched in five years Uh. and someplace that we really just needed another hurricane to clear out and the amount of time that all of us Uh. got together cleared it out just had that group bonding session it was (laughs) awesome
1: nothing brings about group bonding other than being exposed
0: to toxic waste (laughs) (laughs) that's what i always say (laughs) right 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 words to live by right So maybe some of the people listening to this podcast like what you two are doing, and they want to do something similar. They want to build this understanding between people of different worldviews, and they want to build this camaraderie in their own community. What are some of the things that they can do to join into this kind of activity if it's already happening, or perhaps even initiate it themselves?
2: It's going to be much easier if you're on a college campus, for the most part, because you just have... Especially larger campuses like Ohio State, you have just such a large pool to, of students and people to pull from, you know, inside and outside of the community. So on the student level, I think it's pretty easy. You just need to basically, like John did, John just sent me an email. But after you've contacted, made that first contact, student group or not, whoever you're talking to, sit down and meet with them. When John and I first met, biggest thing is, is we had to, we were both completely honest with each other. And I know, uh, when I've seen John do, a talk at the Jubilee Convention, which is a Christian conference in Pittsburgh we both spoke at. He mentioned in particular just making sure you're honest because atheists have a high bullshit detector, which I thought was very funny.
1: <laughs> yes, I used the word bullshit at a Christian conference, and I didn't get fired.
2: Back on the honesty thing is being upfront and honest about literally everything. Well, another thing John you know, mentioned is make sure that you probe. At the secular student alliance conference good advice you gave was probe christian groups and see where their stance is you know how do they feel about evolution how do they feel about insert random topic here Mm. and that way if things like groups that with my experience like campus crusade for christ it's just too polarizing and they're just going to fight with you about everything it's not going to work you have to find a group that's willing to find that common ground And willing to compromise. And like I said, it's not easy. You're not going to find that everywhere, but you just need to keep working at it. Even target what I would consider, in my mind, more liberal Christian communities. The Unitarian Church, a lot of Unitarians have atheist groups in their church. We've got two um, in Columbus and they both have like atheist organizations within their church. So it's just really a matter of sending the email and getting the dialogue started.
1: And I think from from a Christian perspective, there has to be a willingness to take that step outside of their, their little group. Th- thankfully, I think a lot of Christian groups are starting to do that, especially on college campuses. And some of the modern day church planning movements are really making those steps. And so... I think if you're an atheist out there and you want to look for Christian groups, you look for those those groups. I I think the whole liberal conservative labels are kind of useless anymore, because that can mean a lot of different things. Uh, Some people think I'm really liberal. Some people think I'm too conservative. So who knows? But I think, you know, we always say that the thing that we love about each other is that we're all committed to truth. And if we can agree that we have a passion for truth and we're searching for that truth, then, then we have an extremely large common ground there on that passion for truth.
2: And one more thing on the atheist side in particular, I've been working in the national community for about almost four years now. And going to all these conferences and all the different atheists that I talk to, I see this, you know, constant like, well, you know, I don't want to respect somebody's religious belief that's telling me that I'm going to burn in hell for an eternity and this and that and while you know honestly I don't have a whole lot of respect for that idea and John knows this it's a matter of having respect for the person And not sitting there being like, well, you're stupid for believing what you believe in, John, and you have a mental disorder. Like, unfortunately, I think we see all too much of in the atheist community.
1: And I I always tell atheists, look, hey, that sword cuts both ways. If you don't want to respect uh, a religious person, then don't expect them to respect you. You may not have to respect the argument, but respect the person.
0: Well, and that's how human beings work. Uh, if you if you get respect, then you're more likely to give respect.
2: Exactly. And I find it somewhat hypocritical in the atheist community. Like, I, I do think that, you know, we are discriminated against minority. But I think it's incredibly hypocritical when you see people saying that, but then they turn around and they start this whole kind of like, well, Christians are stupid thing. But then you're turning around saying, well, we're discriminated against. I wonder why. <laughs> And maybe right. may, maybe maybe that's just me, but I get a lot of flack for that.
0: <laughs> well, Jonathan, I would imagine that for many Christian communities, they might be hesitant to encourage this kind of interaction with non-believers because in the Christian communities, there's such a concern about propping up your faith and maybe mm-hmm. sometimes not exposing yourself to doubts. That's endemic to some Christian communities anyway. Have you encountered that with people who thought that this was just a bad idea because it might threaten the faith that determines your eternal future?
1: I have, but maybe not as much as you'd think, but I I certainly have because usually the way I approach it is like, well, the Bible talks a lot about doubting your faith. So yeah, you got to deal with that first. And I always tell people, look, if it's true, then it can sustain attacks. It can sustain going into this realm and being in the marketplace of ideas and hold its own. And if it can't, then it's not worth believing. And as far as people losing their faith in this process, all my Christian students—none of them have lost their faith. In fact, their faith has gotten stronger. And way more contact with atheists on a on a day to day basis than most Christians I know. And so, I find that argument not compelling at all. And I, I do get it. And I and I basically just lay out the facts for them. Of here's what the Bible says. Here's what my students are like. Here's what's going on.
0: I think I heard that Jonathan, you will sometimes speak for atheist groups and then Ashley I I think you mentioned that at least once you spoke at a Christian conference Jonathan I'll start with you what do you say when you're speaking <laughs> as a representative of the Secular Student Alliance to an atheist group but you're a Christian what how does that work
1: well, it's, it's great. Liz, over at Secular Student Alliance, is, you know, I, I basically said, you know, here's what I'll speak on. I gave her a, a list of topics, Christian in America, Christian evolution, you know, an atheist Bible study, that kind of thing. And Liz is like, great. And, and so basically what the individual student groups, if they want me to come speak, which I did at Purdue a couple of weeks ago, they'll pick a topic that they want me to speak on. So they know when I'm coming to talk in advance. I am representing the psycho Student Alliance on, on one hand, but I'm kind of the uh, token Christian point of view, I guess, on there. So everyone knows what they're going to get when I come speak. I don't proselytize at all. Basically, what I do is I, like with Ashley's group, I have given a talk about how to read the Bible. And then I've taken a passage of the Bible, like the prodigal son, and kind of applying the principles that I'm teaching on how to read the Bible. and Because the Prodigal Son is one of the most misunderstood passages of Scripture. When I spoke at Purdue a few weeks ago, I talked about getting rid of the Christian stereotype that some atheists have. And I especially actually talked about the Scopes trial and how much that really has an effect on the discussion of evolution and creationism. So I try to break down those kind of stereotypes.
0: And then Ashley, have you given a few talks for Christian groups or what have you done?
2: I haven't done a whole lot. I've done quite a bit locally. I've done something for the Unitarian Church once. I spoke at the Jubilee Convention, which was a Christian conference in Pittsburgh. It was a panel discussion with John and Hemet Mehta, who's the kid who sold us on eBay a few years ago, Friendly Atheist. Right. And then just on Wednesday, we went to Westminster College in Pennsylvania, both John and I, and did another kind of Q&A slash talk. And, uh, They've always gone really well. People have always come with, for the most part, I think, honest questions. Mm-hmm. And they've always been really, really nice to me afterwards. So.
1: <laughs> and likewise, on the other side, I've always felt welcome, uh, even in the Secular Student Alliance Conference, which is uh you would think would be the ground zero, the uh, last person a Christian would be. But I, I had a great time.
0: I'm really glad that you guys are going out there and showing people that non-believers and believers can work together, can have a friendly, healthy dialogue where they aren't just insulting each other. Is there more to this message that we haven't heard yet so far in this interview that you'd like to put out there to reshape the dialogue a bit in the public sphere?
2: I guess it's not that hard. If you want to do it, I think it's just a matter of really taking the initiative. I did a talk for a group here in Ohio, um, an atheist group, about you know, just getting your group up and running and different things that you can do to work with other people in the community. And part of that talk was just talking to them about the importance of being able to reach out and work with religious groups, even if it's not to the degree of me and John. And for almost all of the atheist groups that I've talked to about this, they're really, really hesitant. And I, you know, I pretty much have to stand up there and make the case to why you should do it. And honestly, I think that it's not that hard. It just takes initiative and I think it's really crucial for helping to build a better community for your group and showing, you know, even if it's just from a PR perspective to doing it, showing the Christian or religious community in general that you're not evil, you're not immoral, you're not gonna eat their babies except when they're not looking. And
1: uh <laughs> see and I have a baby and she hasn't she hasn't eaten her yet, so that that's a good thing. You're always looking. <laughs> yeah. I would agree with all that. And I think speaking to Christians who are listening to this, I think the willingness to be able to step out and not be safe is very important because in one sense, it's not dangerous to speak to atheists at all. It just feels that way. And you got to stop feeling that way and understand what the reality of the situation is and realize that atheists are wonderful people to hang out with and talk with and have conversations with.
2: And it's a great way to mentally challenge each other, too. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Well, Jonathan, you spoke briefly before about how you try to overcome this worry that Christians have that interacting so much with atheists will challenge their faith. Are there other obstacles that the two of you have come up against and figured out a way to respond that is, is most helpful in overcoming some of those barriers to atheist-Christian dialogue and atheist-Christian you know, working together?
1: I think just overcoming the stereotype at times with both groups, there are those people who, like Ashley said, are hesitant. But usually what happens is once we start talking and once people start seeing this community that we've formed, their objections start going away pretty quickly. There's really no limitations as to what you can do with this sort of thing other than your own, you know, sounds cheesy, but your own imagination is your limitation. You know, at Ohio State, it's been easy, like Ashley said, because of the size. Other campuses, whether, you know, they're smaller institutions or maybe uh, even religious schools, it might be a little more difficult. But for us, there hasn't been any, like, institutional barriers that we've had to, to overcome, certainly not for my denomination. No one's called me and said, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, um, they're all very supportive. So from my end, there's hasn't been any limitations.
2: Yeah, again, I think it just falls back to being able to communicate and be honest with each other and and that's I mean that's by far the most important thing I mean luckily John and I when we met up we were very honest with each other about everything and that's what's made things I think just work as fantastic as they had Mm -hmm. and going back to you know our communities and their reaction I mean when I first started doing this from both the local and the national community I have gotten so much flack from atheists, and even still today, because I I make YouTube videos in my free time. I still, Mm -hmm. when I post a little blog showing the stuff we've done together, I get these comments back saying, why do you want to work with these Christian groups and associate Uh with these people? Oh, you're going to lose your atheism because you're (laughs) hanging out with John. And, 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 you know, it just... It blows my mind, and all I've got to say is just try it. It's, it's really not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go on some big, long rant here. I don't want to waste all your time. <laughs> no,
1: but I, I think she's right. I mean, it's it's tough. It, it really is. On one hand, it sounds so simple. I mean, we're, we're making it sound very simple, and it, it is, but I, I think people are just not used to it.
2: Some people, especially coming from more conservative communities, are you know really nervous about working with these groups, too, because even within my student group here yeah. at Ohio State, You'll run into, you know, a handful of uh, atheists who came from these really fundamentalist families, some of which have even been shunned from their families because Mm. they are now atheists. And it's much, much harder for those people to get up and start working with these religious groups. So maybe in a way that's been a big obstacle, but that's just been a small few people that are in my group, but even now I can think of one of them in particular goes out to John's groups. <laughs> yeah. And with John, I mean, sure, uh, that person likes to get a little more argumentative, but everyone from both groups are still very receptive to that. But again, that, you know, that takes work and whoever is the leader of both organizations really needs to kind of somewhat control things in the dialogue to make it work.
1: The barrier between Christian atheist dialogue is almost really a uniquely American thing. You know, in Europe and stuff and places like that, there's really not the barriers that we have. And it's because I think culture war stuff really affects conservative Christianity. Uh, I think you're having my generation, which is Generation X, and the younger generation going, uh, yeah, we don't want to fight the culture war anymore, and we're kind of done with that. And so what you're seeing now is a changeover that you'll see. You'll probably see the full effects over in the next five to ten years of Christians being way more open to conversations and it being the norm rather than the exception.
0: Well, I like that. I hope that's how it turns out with you know, hey, let's just be done with the culture war and move forward on the things that we both want to see happening in the world.
1: Well, I think we have to as America. I mean, that's how that's how we work. The founding fathers, they certainly had no measure of agreement on the religious issue. But there was a wide range of opinions, you know, ranging from Ben Franklin to, to John Witherspoon, who was a Presbyterian minister. But they agreed on some pretty common things. And I think if we can recover some of that, I think we're going to be in much better shape in our country instead of the screaming, talking heads. And I think that's what we're about. We don't want to be the screaming, talking heads anymore.
0: Well, Jonathan and Ashley, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey, Thank thanks, Luke. Much. Appreciate it.